This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Thanks very much for having me. Um, this is my first UX Australia conference. I'm really happy to be here. Last year, I moved to Hobart on purpose, and, and it was my third time working in Australia. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Ta-da. I would have never known. Um, right. Uh, okay, so last year, moved to Hobart. Um, third time working in Australia. I feel very grateful to be living here and to be able to make that deliberate choice uh, to not stay in the corporate machinery of America. Uh, but that was also something that I had done on purpose. My training is in human factors, uh, but my journey between academia and industry has put me in a unique situation of working in various product design and development roles. And in my current role, I get introduced as a postdoc UXer, which I find strange because I've never seen a PhD program in UX, and I certainly was not enrolled in one. Uh, but at the same time, I see that as an opportunity uh, an opportunity to really uh, embrace that label and to see it as a chance to apply rigor and a systems level of thinking to the projects that I'm able to, to touch. So not just looking at the context of use or the component of HCI, but look at how the levels of organization, legislation, and how forces of change affect those decisions that we need to make when thinking about the impact that the tools that we're developing can have on a particular group of users. As an applied researcher, I live some days in a designer envy, uh, but it means that I get to work with creative types and they're a source of learning and inspiration for me. And just as much as the end users uh, and humans that I get to learn from in my research, I just really love working as part of a multidisciplinary team. The end users that I'll be focusing on for a few minutes are the Australian farmers, and I believe that this is one of the toughest professions around. Not only do they play an integral part in the supply chain of feeding the world, but they are facing some significant changes right now. They're needing to adapt their entire business to changes in climate, and they're also needing to have a resilience to changes in the market. There's an enormous opportunity, as Vicki alluded to, for user research in agriculture, there's a lot of opportunity for us to use our methods to help farmers meet those challenges with solutions of digital technology. And while focusing on agriculture, the learnings that I want to share with you today are applicable to other industries. So for most of us, we work within a particular domain, whether that be education or healthcare or government, and we likely work on multiple projects within that industry. It's important for us to remember and too easy to forget that our projects affect different subgroups of users within that domain and that our projects can often benefit from a tailored research approach. And so key reminders for the talk are really as people who do UX, we have an entire tool set from which to draw from and we need to select the right tool for each job. 
secondly, remembering that projects have different needs from user experience and user research. And we should communicate those findings in the ways that are most actionable. And what I mean by that are the ways in which it's going to help the team that we're supporting uh, in, in the best way, in the way that they need most. When we're able to do that, uh, there's, it's kind of a, a double win. One, it creates a trickle-down carryover effect into the management of the projects that make a lasting impression of the value of the work it is that we do. It also ends up helping our target users in the best way possible. Um, so I will be presenting two cases today, uh, one within prawn farming and one within sustainable agriculture. And we'll just launch into the first case here. So the research and, and development goal that we have is really just to improve farm productivity with modernization. And we were brought as user researchers into this project very early. And the reason that we were brought in at an early point in the project was to provide some scope to the project and in some way help to ensure success that the tools that were going to be developed for the prawn industry were going to have a, a maximum impact and a, and a higher likelihood of successful implementation and adoption. And so when we think about the sort of user research methods that would have helped us in this case, we chose to use contextual inquiry and task analysis. Contextual inquiry being a method where we sort of blend an interview technique and an observation technique by shadowing the work in its natural context. Task analysis being a somewhat rigorous approach where we'd use a, maybe a decomposition technique to really understand the different steps that someone goes through to complete a task and to achieve their goal. And you can see from the picture behind me that this is a picture of, of being in the moment of contextual inquiry with Renzo, who is here at a prawn farm on the Gold Coast. Um, so pictures of being on the prawn farms, all right? We chose these methods that took us to the work and we learned from the pond, the pond operators about their routines, their tasks, their decisions, all right? So we learned about the physical nature of the work, such as cooking the bottom, which meant that they were applying lime to empty ponds to work the soil to make for better production. We observed on the farms how prawns were fed and how they were moved, how they were removed from the ponds once they were mature. We learned about the more mystic parts of prawn farming, about how seasoned operators could tell whether or not it was going to be a good year. When we were sitting in the cab of the truck, we learned what it was meant when he said, it's a more difficult to sustain them later in the season. And what that meant was that he looked to the expected temperatures in June, which were well outside the 30-day forecast. But he used that prediction, and this would affect how he was planning for the season earlier in the year. We learned the different tactics of keeping prawns happy and the strategies that were used to prevent overfeeding. Because when you overfeed a prawn, you don't make it fat, you make it dead. All right. 
So in, in terms of um, what were our key findings, all right? So by using contextual inquiry and task analysis early in this project, it helped us provide evidence to the team about how routine tasks were carried out and where there was uncertainty in the work. And it was important that we were able to link that or make that relationship between the uncertainty and the decisions of keeping pawns algae free and prawns happy. We had reports of pains and gains of the technology currently being used on the farm. In terms of being actionable, our research early in this project gave very important feedback to the teams. Um, and some of those members of the team had some misconceptions about the work of a prawn farmer. And with our reports of uncertainty, the team could start down a path of generating solutions in a more informed way and with an awareness of potential barriers. The engagement also laid the foundation for lasting relationships with those farms, and these were relationships that we had encouraged so that they could do some pilot tests with the technology being developed later in the project. So that was our prawn farm example. Our next example is around promoting sustainable agriculture across Australia. Sustainable agriculture meaning that we want to reduce the nasty greenhouse gases in the, emission, in the atmosphere and we want to retain good things like carbon and moisture in the soil. And the map behind me shows by way of different colors the different ways that land is used across the continent. And you can see clearly, or you can take my word for it, that there are different opportunities for these sorts of farming methods based on the different regions of geography across the country. All right, so again, let's take a step back and think about the bigger picture of this sort of project where we want to develop digital solutions to increase productivity in the agriculture sector. Here, what we want to do on a broad level is promote these carbon farming methods across different regions of Australia. And at the same time, we want to apply an existing scientific capability to greenhouse gas mitigation and prediction. So this is a very different beast of a project where we are not going in to kind of explore the domain and the nature of work. We have a clear science capability and we have an idea of where we want to apply that. And so what we end up having is a bit of a implementation gap that we're gonna use user research to help fill. And I'm going to thank Noun Project for helping me build the slide that's behind me. So first, let's think about the application context. We've got different contexts in which farming is happening, different types of things being farmed, different conditions of the land. And we've got a series of projects, different types of farming methods that apply to those different regions. And we've got a national program through which if the farmer employs these different techniques, they have an opportunity to collect a source of revenue through carbon credits. So this is a win-win. We've got a revenue stream for the farmers, and we've got a way to meet some of those abatement targets for the country. All right, now enter science capability. We've got uh, industrious, very intelligent engineers who have been creating different computational and environmental models. These models are very effective at predicting the level of emissions or abatement that are, is possible, and they're also able to link those outcomes to different properties of the land and of agricultural activity. 
So in thinking about that implementation gap, we're going to use user research, selecting methods of interviews, persona development, and journey mapping to try and close that gap between the science capability and how we can implement that into a context of use. First, understanding what that opportunity really is and putting that, those different pieces of the puzzle together. Pieces about varying land use across Australia, different types of carbon farming methods that are possible, and this national program and uh, market is in there somewhere. With that baseline understanding, we launch into a series of interviews with stakeholders. And we don't need to go to the source of the work here, so we're using video conferencing techniques and just having in-depth conversations with different stakeholders in the space, asking about their land management decision processes, what they care about, and what it looks like for current technology supporting them so far. The data that we've collected in the interviews then becomes the basis for making personas. Personas, representations of people that are within this problem space. Um, and these personas are guideposts for our development process. They teach us and they remind us who we are designing for. The foundational research identifies different project constraints, the parts of the project that are clunky and fluid, uh, parts that are in and out of our control as researchers and as engineers. They can be elephants in the room. They can also be headlines in the conversation. And what we've done next is embrace the complexity and uncertainties of that prob problem space and use design-led thinking. Um, and this is a way where we can put those barriers and the capabilities really front and center. And through a series of journey mapping activities and conversations, after about a day and a half, we got to a sort of skeleton user flow. And this was not only a diagram that helped drive prototype development, but it was kind of the precipice of a, of a whole experience that was a way for our team to recognize the forces at play within the problem space that were in and out of our control, as well as those things that were not solvable for the time being. So it really set us on a shared vision and gave us a way to move forward as a coherent team. So in reflection of those methods being applied to a project of that type, our findings included an understanding of the barriers and pain points that were facing farmers who were thinking about implementing these different methods on their land. And importantly for me, I quickly recognized that the decision of a farmer to implement those methods was not something that they could just add on. And instead, it really needed to be integrated into their more broad business strategy. And that became very core to our design direction. Um, the progression that we had in those methods, the progression of interviews to personas to journey mapping, you know, again, it just really helped our multidisciplinary team generate a shared vision of where that science capability could be part of a powerful user experience of someone discovering possibilities for sustainable agriculture. In terms of being actionable, our research included artifacts that have guided our team's conversations since, and they act as really helpful reminders uh, that can be needed through various stages of development. 
Um, just throwing these up here because it's something that I'm quite proud of. And we're here to show off what we're proud of. We're at a state on the greenhouse gas carbon project of having a functional digital prototype. Uh, we call this prototype Look-See, and we hope that it removes carbon market participation from the too hard pile and the can't be bothered pile. And we hope that it can deliver a solution to farmers and land managers, delivering a way that they might have a look-see to see what's possible and what the options are on offer. Uh, basically, the flow that's in the screenshots behind me, the look-see requires just a few clicks and uh, identifying what land you're interested in exploring. And after those few clicks, you get an estimate of how many carbon credits might be possible and what carbon farming methods would be applicable to the land of having the, those couple of details. And while it doesn't promise to make you money in what is currently a nascent market, it does provide a human-centered experience of seeing what's possible. So I hope that these examples are somewhat memorable for you when thinking about how to select the right research method based on what the project requires. Um, in yesterday's closing keynote, John suggested generating a first version prototype as quickly as possible, getting it out there, and then using it with the team to start refining ideas and recognizing constraints. I don't disagree with this approach at all, but for those of us that aren't naturally inclined to be a visual designer, I uh, just wanted to put it out there that there is another option available to us. It's to be very conscious of our craft of research. Uh, it has incredible value to us early in the projects. It can help us identify both barriers and possibilities. It can help identify levers of technology pull and what that minimal viable experience might look like. Um, researching with purpose, like what I've tried to present today, it also arms us with data, and that is powerful evidence, and it can be used to initiate conversations with teams towards developing design solutions. The work presented today is part of a new way of developing cutting-edge technology for agriculture called the Digiscape Future Science Platform, and it's sponsored by the CSIRO. Thank you. some time for a few questions. Is anybody here? I learned to create silence to allow space. Um, I'll be fair and say that the Internet of Things was not one of the topics that I covered in the interviews. But we did talk about technology. And the picture that was painted for me by both farmers and business consultants is that this group is being flooded with constant new technologies and new things. And what that's done is it's created a real, a bit of a resistance and a need to present new possibilities in different ways. The main way that I heard about people learning about new technology was going to trade shows and learning at things like what Vicki was talking about with the farm advisory groups. 
I think the digital acumen of farmers is really on a big continuum. Well, there's probably a number of demographics that really drive that. It's a good question. There's a question back here. It's true. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'd have two observations to, to, to the challenges that are very real for us that you've just described. And I think that Vicki and Pat spoke very well to one of them. And it's to bring that client along and let them observe some of that user research. Uh, the second is a good facilitation in those, decision, those design-led activities. Uh, it can be difficult to create an even playing ground. It can be difficult to have a room that's inclusive and free of power hierarchies. And I think uh, the more we can do to set the stage for that sort of freedom in thinking, that will lead us to better outcomes. Hope that helps. One more question. Mm -hmm. So in the two studies that we talked about, the first being aquaculture, which was Renzo's uh, piece there, the actionable findings, they were delivered through some written reports, bullet points, but then the conversations that are then had with the teams are very important. And if I remember correctly, we used a sort of SWOT analysis to then show and kind of map out what the data was telling us about technology being used and the appetite for new technology along another axis, what's feasible and possible with the technology that was wanting to be developed in the project. For us here on the Carbon Project, it was those physical artifacts of personas and journey maps and the user flow, and really just constant com conversation and talking about them as a group. Okay. Thank you for your time. Thanks, everybody. We're going into... Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.